Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you, Nick? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I just awesome. I just woke up from like a nap and had a bad dream, so that's kind of sticking with me a little bit. Well, we are going to switch gears on you, buddy. Yeah, so let's talk about some horror movies that we've seen. <laughs> Word up. <laughs> um, so, I saw the movies Hereditary and Mandy this week, and uh, I believe you saw The Predator. I did see The Predator, and I've got a few things to say about some uh, previews and stuff, too. Oh, okay. As as usual when I go to the theater. It's our, new, it's our continuing segment, Matt at the Movies. Preview Corner. Yeah. Um, or Matt versus Preview, Dawn of Preview. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with uh, Hereditary. Oh, actually, before you jump into that, okay. I would like to, in Matt makes a mistake corner. <laughs> actually, I don't have anything to correct. I just wanted to clarify something um, about that preview for A Star is Born. Um, and I'm saying this partly because I didn't want to be rude and partly because I, I, it's actually an issue I have with the movie, which isn't out yet. Um, but it, A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. I'm, I'm the, not familiar. The idea of the movie, so he's, I guess he's some sort of pop star, you know, even though he's like in his 40s, I think, at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, not that pop stars don't age, <laughs> but but anyway, I don't know. He looks, he, he looks a little past his prime for a pop star. Anyway, he's some sort of, some sort of musician, and he discovers Lady Gaga, who has a great voice, um, but is quote unquote like ugly. Like that's how the preview treats it. Like she can't be famous. She's ugly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not ugly at all. Like I, I don't know. Like if you've seen Lady Gaga much, not wearing her like crazy outfits and stuff, but she's an attractive woman. Um. So I don't know. I I mean she's she's not. I, I will admit she's not like um your stereotypical appearance of a pop star. Um, but the preview just makes it like, makes it seem like she's that kid from mask, you know, Rocky Dennis. Yeah. 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 Dennis Rocky, Rocky Dennis. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe, I don't know. There could be a sequel to that and he becomes a pop star too. But anyway, uh, I just thought it was kind of strange. And when I had brought it up before, I, I was saying like, Oh yeah, you know, it's this movie where Lady Gaga is ugly. And I, I really don't think that's. I don't know. It's. It seems strange. It seems like they. They. I don't know. They should have involved some makeup or something to, to make her less attractive. To ug her up a little bit. Well, I was sitting there watching the preview, going, "Man, this is a, a, a attractive woman who I've never seen before. Who is this?" And then when I realized it was Lady Gaga, I was like, "Oh!" And when I realized they were trying to say that she's like unattractive, I was like, "Well, that." That clashes with the experience I just had discovering her <laughs> in the preview. Anyway, so that's all. Well, let's hear some more some more about your movie theater adventures. Oh, okay. Yeah, previews that I actually saw this week. Well, have you seen the preview for Aquaman? Yeah. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> that you know, my my opinion of Thor has changed as the character's gotten better uh-huh. and the movies have gotten better throughout the, you know, MCU uh, being developed. Yeah. But when Thor, I didn't even bother seeing the second Thor, but when I saw the first one, I was like, man, this just doesn't really do a lot. And Aquaman just like, looks like a dumb, poorly CGI'd Thor wannabe. And that's, that's no good. I read one comment that compared Aquaman to the new Black Panther. Or I'm sorry, Aquaman to the Black Panther movie, and basically they're saying that you know in Black Panther how Killmonger is coming to Wakanda to take the throne. Yeah, that's what Aquaman is doing. Aquaman is is Killmonger because he's he's coming into something late later, and he's like, I want my birthright. Well, 
then it looks even worse. Because, <laughs> I mean, the movie has a 5% chance of being Thor, but it's got like a negative 100% chance of being Black Panther. You know, that's just setting the bar way too high. People give that second Thor movie a lot of crap, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I enjoyed not watching it. Yeah, well, to each his own. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was fine. It was boring, but it was... <laughs> but I'm not was, sure you know what you mean by fine. <laughs> I was like, I like this. This pleases me. I like being bored. <laughs> Boredom is pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in a weird age, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Boredom is pleasure. I will sit uh, here and enjoy the nothing. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else did I see? Uh, preview for Halloween. Oh, that the, is uh, that looks kind of good. I am hesitant to say that. Because but there's only been two good Halloween while movies. I was watching it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that, that did you see the Rob Zombie? Hell no. One. The the Rob Zombie one's not terrible. I mean, this isn't like a ringing endorsement, but it it wasn't it wasn't exactly bad. So, I don't know. It's probably worth seeing at some point if you if you haven't. Um, but this one actually like uh, as I was watching, I was oh waiting my God. for it to get really stupid. <laughs> what? <laughs> something, something in the connection with the phone just like exploded in my ears. <laughs> it scared the oh. crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> still in that dream mode, huh? I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I woke back to my dream. The thing that I woke sure. up to. Is um yeah. someone creepily saying, "Wait until you turn the power on. Wait until you turn the power on." <laughs> and then, and then, like a song? No, like they're just singing it in a sing-songy kind of way. Uh. And uh, and then, like whatever feedback just happened, it sounded like the power turning on to something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was Nick's Nightmare Corner. <laughs> the show has a lot of corners. So many corners. The show's a dodecahedron. Whoa. That's a lot of hedrons. Yeah. Dodeca. <laughs> um, well, is that, is that the end of Nightmare Corner? For now. Okay. Uh, so, so Halloween um, does look pretty good. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Mm-hmm. Um, who I, you know... I was I don't know how to say this because I'm not I, I don't dislike Jamie Lee Curtis, but I was surprised by how excited I was to see her in it. Like sure her face showed up on the screen and I was like, Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and I was like, Wow, I didn't even know I was a fan. So um Do you do you know is this a sequel or is this like another restart? Because remember Halloween H two O? No. Um which was a pretty good one. I, I, I mean, really, I know it existed, but I, I don't remember the movie. I liked that one. Um, yeah. She she was like the star of that one, and then they made a sequel to that, and then she died in the sequel, like, right away. Like, at the beginning of the movie, they just kill her off. Mm. Yeah, I, I, Spoiler I think alert. this, <laughs> for whichever Halloween is after H2O, I don't know, maybe, well, she, was, she, she wasn't aged in that then, right? I mean, it's like going back probably 15 years now but but they didn't do anything to make her look older than she actually was no okay so in this one she looks her age uh so i guess they must be pretending that one didn't exist mm-hmm. but i but it's not a reboot it, it seems pretty clear from the preview that like she's dealt with him before and she's trying to i think it's her daughter look like um she's trying to protect her daughter and kind of convince her daughter to protect herself and her daughter's like you're crazy mom it's kind of like terminator 2 where the kid's like yeah my mom's nuts she thinks they're robots trying to kill us right and then you know he's like oh crap a killer robot that i recognize somehow anyway so so this looks pretty good and i i just gotta say you know in the preview that aside from seeing uh jamie lee curtis's face and getting excited about that damn that's a good theme Song, I guess, is a, is a theme song. The, <laughs> well, it's good theme music. The dee dee like, dee 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 dee. Yeah, yeah, it's just so effective. Yeah, John Carpenter um, think, is great. Yeah, 
Yeah, John Carpenter, he uh he should do more music stuff. I think he does does all the music for his movies. I think he does at least pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um so props to him. I saw an advert or a preview for a movie called Bad Times at the El Royale. Have you seen that? I have not, no. Oh man, uh who's in this? Um who's the guy that's in like True Grit and Iron Man One? Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges. He's in it and John Hamm and Chris Pine and I believe the young lady from Fifty Shades of Grey. And a handful of other people. It's it, it, it. I think Robert Rodriguez is involved in this somehow. And they're all at some hotel or motel. No hotel. I think it, near near Las Vegas. I don't know. It, it looks it looks kind of like from what you described to me of the Hateful Eight. Like this is like a a, a new version. Like if it maybe maybe taking place sort of in the weird mixed time period of the Nice Guys. Uh, version of the hateful eight they're all they all seem to be kind of stuck in this area uh-huh. um and i don't know it looks kind of interesting i feel like there are a couple things in the preview that at least one thing where it's like i think that was supposed to be a twist maybe you shouldn't have put that in the preview but it looks like a pretty interesting movie and for some reason i got to see the preview twice before this movie they i'm it not twice? sure why yeah i was like oh okay there's l l the El Royale thing, and then I saw a preview for Venom, and then another preview for the El Royale again. Uh, the same preview, not a different one. And so, so then there's that. I can revisit Venom, where I I noticed this time, man, they have Tom Hardy sounding really young, and it was kind of interesting because I was like, the way he's talking, kind of like baffled by himself and his experience, reminds me of somebody, some character. And then I realized it was Peter Parker. And I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Those things are linked. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and yet, uh, you know, Spider-Man is not going to be in this movie. But that I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, that, that there may, I don't know, maybe there is, maybe that's intentional. There's some sort of like him discovering his venomness is a bit like, you know, Spider-Man discovering his spider powers. Uh, it's too bad Venom looks like a garbage bag. <laughs> um, with teeth, um, but I don't know. I, I I'm I'm pretty convinced it's going to be a terrible movie, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to when it comes out in like two weeks. Oh, does it come out that soon? I think it's October fourth. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and one last preview here. I saw a preview for Alita: Battle Angel. Have you seen that? Uh, I I saw a preview for that a few months ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's odd looking. It is. <laughs> it's like partially animated. Like there's a young lady who's clearly some sort of robot person and they've animated her a little bit so that her eyes are like extra big. Yeah. And I I had seen a preview for it a while back myself. And, uh, I don't know that one's starting to, that one's starting to get under my skin, starting to get kind of like, um, I'm curious about that. So that that is preview corner okay so uh nick what did you see well this week i watched two movies um that's right and uh i watched geez i can't remember what i watched you watched hereditary (laughs) and something that's right i watched hereditary and mandy i guess we'll talk about hereditary last since we've both seen it um sounds good let's start with mandy I've never um, heard of Mandy. What is that? Mandy is a movie directed by Panos Cosmatos, which sounds like a spell. Um, it does. <laughs> uh, it's it's from 2018. It stars Nicolas Cage. It is it is it is not good. <laughs> At, Who would have guessed that? Yeah, but it's 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 interesting it, it's very difficult to exp- to explain this movie so like nicholas cage starts off he's he's like a lumberjack out in the woods That's and believable. uh yeah I, see this is so difficult to try to explain this movie let me just read the imdb description for it so like <laughs> it's uh it's set in the primal wilderness of 1983 where red miller who's nicholas cage is a broken and haunted man, and he hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life. This is a movie that 
takes place in 1983. I will give it some credit that it, it looks like it was made in 1983, like the film grain. It it looks it looks like it's from 1983. It looks Got the right aesthetics. The right aesthetics. This movie I did not like. I did not. I did not care for it. But so is is Mandy his daughter's name? Mandy is his wife. Oh. This movie is way too long. <laughs> it's like just over two hours long. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um. This is not our most professional show. This is the best podcast <laughs> ever. So it takes place in 1983. It has like all the visual aesthetics of 1983. Nicolas Cage is this lumberjack guy, and uh, he's got this wife whose name is Mandy. <laughs> he's got this wife. Yeah. Uh, who's played by Andrea Riseborough. Never heard of her. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but she's got this very odd look in the movie um and then we looked her picture up on imdb and she's she doesn't look anything like like she must be wearing a ton of makeup the first hour of this movie is one of the most boring boring hours in all of oh so you must have enjoyed it a lot (laughs) it's so boring that pleases you (laughs) (laughs) it's so boring there's like these long drawn out shots uh, like these long, long sequences of like dialogue, like like little monologues, and like there's this one part where Nicolas Cage's wife is telling this story about her father murdering these starlings, <laughs> and she's like, "When I was a kid, my father, he didn't like these birds that ate the cherries off the cherry tree, and and so one day he captured all the little baby birds in a bag, and we hit them with a crowbar, and we smashed them into the ground." And Nicolas Cage is like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that seems like an appropriate response. <laughs> yeah. And and so then like that's the end of that scene. I am looking up this young lady in pictures on Google, and uh-huh. she looks very different in every picture. Yeah. And so like in this movie, her look is she's got like this one, like her eyes are all messed up. Like she's got one giant pupil. She's got this scar on her face that they don't explain at all. Anyway, the the first half of this movie is basically like these long drawn out sequences of of just like living in 1983 in the woods. And the one thing I will give this movie credit for is it has a lot of a lot of great visuals, like a, like a lot of artistic lighting. The guy who made this movie, Panos cosmatos really loves the color red because there's a lot of red imagery like 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 red lighting and 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 whatnot um to the point where it gets pretty annoying where you're like i'm sick of i'm sick of the color red man i don't want to spoil anything for this movie but the wife gets murdered and Nicolas cage goes on a revenge mission and um, the first hour of this movie is pretty boring. It could have been cut down to maybe 20 minutes. Like, I mean, like that sequence I was talking about where where the wife is talking about the dead birds has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's like they were just f- filming and she decided to improvise this whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 not a very good movie. I, I, I didn't care for it. Visually, it's it's pretty stunning. Um, like the cinematography is great. The lighting is great. Like it could have just been called lighting the movie. Um, <laughs> but I did not care for it. The The first hour is just so boring and, and unrelenting. And then the second hour of the movie, it turns into this revenge movie where Nicolas Cage is hunting down the people who, who kill his wife. And, um, and they're like these monsters in the movie that, that, don't make any sense like they they say that the 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 people who are these monsters like they took some really bad lsd in the 70s and like they turn into these like like real like like monsters like there's no other way to describe it and so then nicholas cage is hunting them down with a crossbow and then he hunts down this religious sect or who are the people that kill his wife and he's like picking them off one by one. And then that's when the movie gets really good is when he starts doing the revenge stuff. But until then, it is so slow and so boring. And the director of the movie really loves the color red because there are so many sequences that are just red light only. And you're just like, this is 
this is going on for way too long. I guess it's kind of worth seeing for like a decent Nicolas Cage performance. He does go full cage at one point. Oh, that's good. Yeah, like there's this. I mean, if you're sitting there for two hours, you want at least one cage freakout. Yeah, there's this one sequence where he's in the in the bathroom after his wife gets killed, and uh, he just starts drinking a bottle of vodka and pouring it all over his his wounds and he just starts screaming and there's this the camera that they're using is this wide angle camera and the camera guy is like moving in real slow but then like he backs up because Nicolas Cage is like freaking out and like it was it was like a real interesting moment where where you're like oh man this is Nicolas Cage going full-on cage um and uh and for that it's probably worth seeing but but feel free to um skip ahead till the second hour of the movie because it is it is slow and it is boring that first hour do you think that like when people directing or you know making a movie with Nicolas Cage need him to do that you know cage freak out thing do you think they say like hey nick we need a we need we need a cage freak out right now. Do you, do you think they're like, hey man, hey man, in this scene, in this scene, uh, uh, do your thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we need you to go full cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, it's it's an interesting performance from Nicolas Cage. Like I, I I like him in this movie. There's this one sequence where he's fighting one of the demon monsters, and. And this is my favorite part of the whole movie, and and spoiler alert for it, but um, he, he like slices the demon's throat, and all his blood starts splashing into Nicolas Cage's face, and he's just sitting there going, ah! <laughs> like all this, all this blood is just pouring onto his face. Oh man, I thought that was great. Like that almost made sitting through the whole movie worthwhile. But the, that first hour is so difficult to get through. And there's a title page. Like, the movie tells you the title of the movie, Mandy, halfway through the movie. And you're like, oh, the movie's starting now after all this nonsense we just had to sit through. In, in all seriousness, how, how far in do you think it is? An hour. Really? Yeah. The title card? Yeah. An hour? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, really weird. I did watch a review of the the Red Letter Media guys did a review of this just yesterday, which I thought was kind of funny because I just watched it. They they were talking about this movie and they both really enjoyed it, which which I didn't really care for. If you don't know who Red Letter Media is, they're on YouTube. They're they're very entertaining uh, YouTubers. Anyway, they're they're talking about this movie, and uh, the one guy who who really enjoyed the movie, he is really into horror, horror stuff. And this movie's kind of a love letter to horror movies. At one point, the wife says that they live in a cabin just off of Crystal Lake, which is you know like a Friday the Thirteenth reference. Right. There's a lot of like the lighting schemes, and I guess a lot of the references. Like the movie takes place in the '80s, like an '80s horror movie. The, the evil demons in the movie look like the monsters from that movie. We watched Hellraiser. So it's kind of a love letter to, to like 80s horror, but um, boo. Not on par with it. But boo. Boo. <laughs> I, I would say it's worth checking out. Like at one point, Nicolas Cage forges his own axe. Like out of nowhere, he just forges his own axe. And 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 for the second hour, it's it's probably worth checking out if you have two hours to kill. But feel free to skip to skip through the first hour. Like there's such these long, long drawn out sequences of like this is really boring. Yeah, Mandy, 2018. I think I'll skip that one. <laughs> um, bling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. Um. <laughs> Okay, well, moving on from that, I guess uh, the Predator is directed by Shane Black, who uh -huh. was in Predator, um, which I didn't know until just this past week. Yeah, he's he was the, he's he was the, the guy that's guy, making right? all the p-word jokes. Yeah, Parnithesis. Uh, exactly. Oh, by the way, in our last episode, I think the words you were looking for was 
tenuously. Yes, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, what word did although, I create? Although soon, soon there will be trepidarily in the uh, in the dictionary. Yeah. Uh, uh, after after we did the show, I was listening to it. I was like, tenuous. That's the word. Tenuous. Although I like trepidariously. Well, I think I think you were looking for tenuous, but your mind was pulling for trepidatious. And so you ended up with trepidarily. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Shane Black uh, uh, has done some cool movies. He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and um, The Nice Guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know he's he's done he some did the good first stuff. Two Lethal Weapon movies. He did Monster Squad. He wrote the first Predator. Yeah, he he might not be at the top of his game anymore. Uh, this movie is is not good. Uh, it's boy. There's so much to say about this. You know, maybe someday we'll do a deep dive if you watch it. So overall, it ends up becoming entertaining for the first 45 minutes or so. I was like, this is dumb and it's not really entertaining. And all of these characters are annoying. There's a kid who of course has autism. He's, He's somewhere on the autism spectrum. Um, Because that's what you've got to have if you don't have asthma. Um, There are a handful of of douchey guys, including uh, Key from Key and Peele. And and also including, and I didn't realize this until about halfway through the movie, Thomas Jane, who just keeps showing up everywhere. (laughs) I I saw that. (laughs) And I was um... like, this guy looks just like I have with every movie Thomas Jane's been in in the last five years. I'm like... This guy looks kind of familiar. The, um, and then eventually, wait a minute, is that Thomas Jane? Yeah, we're on a total Jane kick lately. Yeah. Um, and the main character is the guy from Logan who had the metal hand in that movie. Okay. Um, and and so the first hour of the movie, first 45 minutes, I'm like, man, this is just not good. Uh, it's not gripping me. These people are annoying. Olivia Munn's in it, and I always enjoy looking at Olivia Munn, but I haven't really been too happy with her acting in most things. Yeah, she's terrible. Um, she's improved. Her, 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 actually, everyone in this movie, see, this is where it starts to turn around. Everyone's actually performing well, which is not what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not what I expected. And at the end of the movie, I still don't really like anybody. Um, but uh, there's a point in the movie at which I realized something that was really helpful for me. And that is that uh, even though this is a sequel to the Predator movies, like Predator 1 and 2, um, and I suppose Predators, but I'm not sure if there were any references in that, because I don't remember that movie at all. <laughs> it just didn't stick at all. But what I realized is if you approach this movie not as though it's a sequel to Predator, but as though Alien versus Predator and the second one of those, as those as as if those are sort of a non-canon, you know, side universe. Yeah. Then it works because it is definitely an Alien versus Predator kind of movie. There just isn't any alien in it. Yeah. It, but but if if you if you go with that, it actually. It actually starts to work. It's all over the place. It's it's really it's got that feel of like comic movies where they have some panels from the graphic novel that they want to show in the movie. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, Batman versus Superman. You know, <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. Like they had a lot of ideas and they just tried to string them together after the fact. But I will say, once it starts to kick in, and once I put it into that category, I think maybe I was expecting it to be a bit better, like the like the original Predator, because of the Shane Black thing. Yeah. Um, don't just take him out of your mind. And after that, it started to get fun. And and to be honest, like the char- the only reason I actually did get to enjoy the interaction of the characters, it's not the writing; it's that. These guys who are really obnoxious and not the sort of people you'd actually want to be around. They're just performed so well by Thomas Jane and Key and, and you know, a handful of other people. And they've got a couple sort of subtle lines. Like there's one moment where a woman gives us sort of a speech and, and this one guy's like, I don't care about your speech. It didn't do anything for me, but 
that guy said something that, you know, insulted my manhood. So I have to go do that thing. Not because of your speech. <laughs> and then uh, as they're like walking out, this other guy's like, I liked your speech, <laughs> you know? And it's just sort of little things like that where they make a ton of jokes. Some of them actually land and the, the performances are good enough that it's kind of enjoyable. Uh, the main character though, his performance wasn't bad, but like there's not anything in it really. Um, it's not, not interesting. Olivia Munn actually is acting well, but her character, like the, it's the lines that she's got, the, the way she's been written is like all over the place too. Like she kind of joins this ragtag band of mentally unhealthy, tough guys. She, she basically is like, you guys are freaking me out. And then two seconds later, she's like, all right, I'm on your team. Like literally, I think she says, all right, I'm in. Really? Okay. Um, it's so it's, it's it's dumb. And as they introduce these guys, this is probably like the lowest part of the movie is as they introduce the guys, it's like, this is Nick. Here's his quality. You know, here's here's his quirk. He's got a podcast about where we casually talk about movies. This is Matt. He's afraid of Muppets. This is this guy. <laughs> and and they just kind of list like what it's it's these this dumb sort of introduction thing. But if you roll with dumb you might enjoy it. Uh, somehow, in spite of it being pretty gory, it actually feels like a PG-13 movie. I, I don't know how that's possible, but it is. Okay. Um, and and the plot of the movie, if there is one, I, I won't quote-unquote spoil how it all gets explained more towards the end. But basically, you're watching a predator look for his toys. <laughs> He's like, I want my helmet back. And so you're watching that for like an hour and 15 minutes, and then it turns into some other stuff. And I've heard that the last 30 or 20 or 30 minutes of the movie were completely rewritten. Uh And the movie definitely has the feel of like, you know, Fox doing its thing of like telling people what to put in the movie. Yeah, that's what I also heard. But from what I heard of the original script... And the last 20 to 30 minutes, if they were the ones that decided to take it in the direction they took it in, it's still bad and dumb, and it still feels that way. But if it had been what it originally was, and what they actually shot, apparently they like shot a whole half hour of the movie that's not in it. If they had stuck with that, it would have been way, way worse. Really? Okay. Yeah. But if you do if you do uh, really like the original Predator and that's what you're hoping for, I'd say don't go and see this because you're not going to get the things that really made that a great movie. The, the guys in this are not impacted the same way. The, you're not afraid of the Predator at all. Like there's nobody seems to really be afraid of it. It's kind of like, oh, oh, there's an alien that we need to fight. Okay, let's let's do that. Some of the guys are like, I don't know, man, that sounds pretty dangerous, but it's not. There is no horror feel to it. There's some gore, but there's no, you know, like in the original Predator, you're actually kind of like, it's mysterious. It's some of what's there is what you're not seeing. Uh And in this case, it's really, that's just not there. It's it's like, here's the Predator. You're going to see it a lot. And there's not much mystery. The guys already figured out what it is. Because in this movie, you've got um, a character uh, played by Sterling K. Brown, um, who was the father of Killmonger in Black Panther. Oh, okay. Um, he's in this. Is. And he's a great actor. I've seen him in a handful of things now. And he's just really, really good. Uh, including that People versus O.J. Simpson show. He is just downright explaining everything about the Predator. So it's 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 really the opposite of the first movie in that way. So, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for, understand that's not what you're going to get. But if you're looking for basically the A-team meets Predator, you will totally get that. Okay. So... So it's a, it's, it's sort of a, it's a recommend to a specific group of people and a definite not recommend to a specific group of people. So if you, if you want the original, don't. Right. Um, So it it would have been better if it had a more cohesive narrative, but it does, it does get kind of fun. If you're, if you're cool with AVP. I like the first one. 
You know, I'm I'm starting to wonder if I actually saw the second one or not. I think we saw it together. Did we? I, I know we saw like the first one together. Yeah. And we walked out going like that was dumb and enjoyable. Yeah, the second one the second one like is just like a slasher movie that takes place in like a school. Like the only scene I can remember had something to do with a swimming pool. That's that's all I can remember of it. I I I think I'd be willing to see that or see it again. I'm not willing to see Predators again. We saw that together too. Did we see Predators together? We sure did. Oh, I did not care for that movie. No, you didn't. Yeah. And neither did I. And Adrian Brody does not in any way belong in the lead role of an action movie. No. Is Elijah Wood in that too? No, it was uh, uh, Topher Grace. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. Maybe. Predators. We're, Topher Grace is a serial killer. <laughs> we're due for doing a, a commentary track again. Maybe we'll do we? maybe we'll do Alien versus Predator Requiem for mm. for all the people out there that are clamoring for it. <laughs> I, I'd be cool with doing that or the first one. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. I think I've only ever seen that one twice. I've only seen them both I, one I may time. Own it. <laughs> I might own that movie on DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray or whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, yeah. Go oh, go ahead. No, is, is that all you have? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, there. I had a lot more comments and notes and stuff, but really, as far as just a review goes, that's that's probably the best. It, it, it I don't really want to see it again. But if it were something that we did a deep dive on, I feel like we'd have a lot to say. Okay, I I do know, like like from what I heard about the movie, that that Fox was pretty heavy handed with the third act of the movie. Like Shane Black was like, fine, you just want a generic horror movie? Here you go. Here's horror action. Which is why like the third act of the movie from from what I hear is like, here you go, this is what you wanted. Yeah. And and it does it does feel that way. Like I said, it's very it's it's pretty underwhelming. But the alternative, from what I heard, is that the predators would be driving around in Humvees. Yeah, that's what I heard too, is that they joined forces with the 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 army guys. Yeah, which reminds me of the the lost footage for or the lost movie of Jurassic Park four with the human dinosaur hybrids that fight <laughs> terrorism, which is a movie I still want to see. I I still just want to see a regular old people end up on the island because their boat crashes. Jurassic Park. I feel like that would be good. But they I, did that. It was Jurassic Park three? No. Remember the kid? He collects T Rex pee. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's our that was our last commentary track, ladies and gentlemen. Go back and check out <laughs> this week in film seventy something for Jurassic Park three commentary track. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, yes, listeners, go ahead and do that. Um, but no, I mean, like you know, like people on a cruise ship or something, bad weather. There's and then they land on the island, and they don't know it's dinosaurs. You know, they don't know it's a dinosaur island, and then they discover it, and they get to be in awe. You know, this would all be as though none of the other movies happened, just the first one. Yeah. And people are like, wait a minute, dinosaurs? I didn't even know dinosaurs existed uh, in the present time. Uh-huh. And, and then, uh, so, they, so you get actually the experience of the shock and awe, and then the terror, you know? Yeah, that so, sounds, I like it. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, instead what we have is Jurassic Park and then like four movies where the military wants to get their hands on dinosaurs and you know they come to the mainland and chase people around. But yeah. anyway, anyway. Uh I almost watched the the Fallen Kingdom movie this week, but instead I decided oh, to watch Mandy. Well, I don't ever want to watch that. <laughs> I was about to offer doing a deep dive on that, but I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to sit there for the three or two hours that feel like 10. Right. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to watching it. Like there's everything I've heard about it is not, does not sound fun. You're going to have lots of notes. But, yeah. Hopefully I'm going in with super low expectations. So like maybe it'll surprise me. So try to lower them further. All right, so then so, hereditary. that brings us to the blue chip of the night, Hereditary. So, spoiler alert for this movie, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend watching it. It was intense. Yeah, watch it if you got like an iron stomach. Yeah, 
So Hereditary is a story. Here, I'll just read the IMDb description of it. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begins to unravel dark secrets. Now, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> uh, so, like, the movie starts out with the death of Tony. Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne are the, the mom and dad in this movie. And uh, Tony Collette's mother dies, and the movie starts at the funeral for her and the mother's like my mom was not an easy woman to get along with uh and then you find out later that she had like a terrible relationship with her mother like she had a restraining order against her at one point after her son was born and blah 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 but then after she had her daughter she kind of reconnected with her mom and whatever her mom was like a crazy lady that she just didn't care for so the mom dies and then tony collette goes to like a, a grief uh you're support a therapist group. there you go it's a support group a grief support group and while she's there she tells this story about she tells a story about how horrible her mother was and then how her father killed himself and how her brother killed himself and you're like oh my god and it's at this point you forget that this movie's a horror movie uh-huh and you're like oh man this is just like an intense family drama movie you're like oh man this is this is intense. Yeah, it's it's like, oh, this isn't what I was bargaining for, but man, this is still going to be pretty powerful. Yeah, whatever it and is. Tony Collette is a is a wonderful actress in this movie. She's she's just great, and so she like tells this this story to the support group of of how horrible her family is, and everyone in the support group is just staring at her like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, we've heard some stories before, but fuck, we weren't prepared yeah. for this. And so then the movie continues from there. So from, from this point on, we're going to get into spoilers because Matt and I have both seen it. So if you haven't seen Hereditary, um, you should watch it. It's it, if, you, if you do have a strong stomach and you are planning to see it, I would say watch it before you listen to the rest of this. Yeah. So the next thing that really happens in the movie... Yep is uh, the son who is in high school wants to go to this party and he has a sister who is um, younger sister. She's a younger sister. She's like, she's like maybe 13 and he's like 16. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's right. And he wants to go to this party and the sister has some mental issues. Like, I guess she's like autistic or something. Uh, yeah, I, th I think what what they're implying there is that she's on the spectrum too, and she does like this weird click, uh, t tongue click thing every so often. Yeah, exactly, and um, that's very important to uh, to to remember is that she does the tongue click thing. She does drawings and whatnot, and she just she kind cuts of cuts off birds' heads. Yeah, and she Dead just birds. kind of uh, she just kind of an odd. An odd bird. Oh, she also has a severe allergy to nuts, even though they don't bring an EpiPen with them anywhere that they go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the son goes to this party where they're making cake <laughs> for some reason. And uh, in the cake. Yeah, you know, I thought that was really odd. I, just, I know it's a small detail. Yeah. But like, I was like, what? What teen parties where you know it's all like alcohol and rave music and stuff yeah have a cake yeah <laughs> you know it's just it's like, just not a thing like and not even just having a cake there but they're baking a cake yeah so there are nuts in the cake the son the brother tells the daughter to go eat some cake while he decides to go get high with this girl he likes from school the girl now, eats go ahead sorry sorry to interrupt but mm -hmm. it's just it, <sighs> it's odd. I mean, I think the son lies and says it's like a barbecue for school or something. Yeah. But the mom but, knows what's up. Yeah. And it, and it's odd, but it also makes sense in the context of this being a pretty dysfunctional family. Like, like on one hand, you're like, nobody would send their 13 year old daughter with their 16 year old son well, to I go think, to a, I think this she, kind of party. I think she but, does that because she's like, well, if you take your sister, you're going to act responsible because you know, you have to get her home. I, I, that may be possible, 
But I kind of got the sense more that it's supposed to be a bit darker than that, that she actually wants him to take the sister so that she can get rid of her for a while. Oh, really? It's, yeah, I, I, yes, I, I kind of, that's, that's how it sat with me was like, this is a, you know, unhappy family. Tony Collette's really trying to get space to herself to work through some really messed up stuff and kind of resentful of her family. And she's just like, just, you know what? Take her, get her, get her out of my hair. I don't care what you guys do. I'm going to give you a hard time about it. But truth be told, if you're out of the house, I'm happier. Interesting. So. Yeah, no, I didn't catch that at all. That's an interesting theory. I like that. I, d- I don't know if it's true, but that's that. That's how it really felt for me. And it, it actually, it didn't even feel uh, kind of hazy on that. I wasn't like confused about it. I just at first I was like, "This is really odd," and then I was like, "Oh wait, no, this makes sense because she is pretty self. I don't want to say self-absorbed, but I but I guess that is true. You know, like like she's pretty stuck in her own junk. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a good thought. I I like that. So anyway, back at the party, <laughs> which is also odd because at the party, no, none of the kids seem to think it is weird that there's a 13 year old walking around. Yeah. There's like all these like older kids and there's just this child walking around with them and she's eating the cake. So she gets the cake and starts eating it. She has this allergic reaction and the brother is like high as a kite smoking the marijuanas and he has to like try to rush her to a hospital or whatever. So they get in the car, they drive, he's speeding along this highway. Uh, I'm sorry, this country road. And the daughter starts freaking out cause she can't breathe. And she sticks her head out the window of the car to get some air, to get some air. And the sun, like there's a deer in the road and the sun swerves to avoid the deer. And the girl's head hits a, like a, a electrical pole on the side of the road and dis decapitates her and the son slams on the brakes and just stares at the camera for like yeah. three minutes. It's this long, uncomfortable shot of this kid just staring ahead, not wanting to look in the rearview mirror to see the headless body of his sister. Okay. And what the way you're describing it right now is, exactly right like the the girl gets decapitated but it is not even though they show the head like i don't know the next day or a few minutes later or something yeah on the side of the road looking all nasty it is not the decapitation that's the disturbing part yeah it is this kid frozen not looking but like knowing yeah that is like gut churning and like that is that's where I was in the theater going like uh, I don't know if I can do this movie this is oh because yeah. his reaction and I don't even think this kid's that great of an actor to tell you the truth like throughout the rest of the movie I'm like oh this kid's not that great but oh, I like but this him. moment good job yeah I, I mean I'm not saying he's terrible but I I think that this moment is he, he is on point and the just the directing. Like uh-huh. The way they, they did this was so, like, they knew what would really have the impact. Yeah. And it's that long sitting there as a viewer, you're like, oh, God, I don't want him to look, but I do want him to confirm what just happened. Yeah. Cause and I not, don't want him to. Because you're not entirely sure that her head got knocked off. Yeah. And then and then it continues. And yeah. he drives all the way home. Well, he like coasts home like he goes like two miles an hour home yeah he's just idling and then he waits in his room and you just watch him lay there all night long yeah and his not falling asleep and And you're like oh god the the the, eventually someone's gonna find find this yeah and you you hear the mom get ready to leave and you're like oh no oh no oh no oh no yeah and he's just staring at the camera the whole time and it just like each part of it work so effectively because then it's like oh man the waiting's the worst part but then you hear the mom scream and you're like no this is even worse yeah this and you see him start to cry yeah because she's screaming oh man yeah the tony collette her reaction to the daughter is is off camera and so perfect. perfect like like there's like her just screaming out in the driveway and you're just staring at the kid staring just past the camera and you just hear her screaming 
screaming. And then the, the next scene is her like in the bedroom, just, just in grief, just like freaking out. And the husband is there, uh, played by Gabriel Byrne, who, who somewhere along the way got old. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so Gabriel Byrne is like trying to comfort her without saying anything. And she's just like on the floor screaming, I want to die. I want to die. Like it's at this moment, this entire family is completely broken. It is the most intense movie feeling watching a movie that i've had in a really really long time like like when when they're driving when the kid is driving that car and he swerves and you hear the sound of that girl's head hitting that pole and uh my wife and i were both watching it and we both just start going we both just go oh my god i think my mouth was open until Mm -hmm. until like five minutes later like i was like oh my god like Mm -hmm that's the kind of movie that this is like it's a horror movie but like more of a psychological horror movie not like not like a slasher horror movie like this movie gets in your brain and like your imagination starts to make it what it is the the horror is what's going on inside of you yeah like i've heard some people complain that the movie's boring and that it's 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 not really very good. And I'm like, I completely disagree. I thought this movie was excellent. The only thing that I don't like about the movie jumping ahead is the ending. I thought the ending was really was lame. Um, yeah, because, because in my head I had created a much better ending to the movie. And um, again, spoiler alert for, for hereditary, I'm going to reveal the ending of the movie the the grandmother that died at the beginning of the movie was like queen of this satanic cult and what they were trying to do was bring about the return of this this devil king and um that's that's what that's what they do they they, they do it <laughs> yeah it's it's very rosemary's baby have you ever seen that I have. So like the Rosemary's baby, like the end of the movie, spoiler alert for Rosemary's baby, she gives birth to the devil and like she, she goes to find her baby, which has been kidnapped. And there's like this room full of people who are like, Satan is his father. And they all start doing the hail Satan, hail Satan. And, and you never see like the baby and whatnot, but like they show like this quick look of like, and it's this evil looking thing. And it's, uh, it's, Mia Farrow's reaction to it that it's like, oh my God, this is horrible. And in this movie, it's it's they kill the entire family. The son jumps out the window and the spirit of the daughter enters the son and the mom's headless body f- floats like a cartoon up into the tree. She saws her head off. With yeah, them. which is a horrible, horrifying sequence. And then at the end, it's just a bunch of naked old people saying, welcome back, d- devil. And you go, this feels like the end of the witch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. The last 20 minutes of the movie, I thought were, were hokey. Like once the mom turns into a monster, like there's that one creepy shot where the kid wakes up, where the son wakes up in his bed and the mom is in the, the upper left corner in the dark. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh man, I did not know she was there. And then they cut to this other shot and they show the mom like scampering across the wall. And I was like, that looks really bad. But other than that, I love this movie. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought I'll, I'll say this cause I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, but the, the, uh, I don't want to say that it's necessarily a bad thing. I'd say this movie wouldn't be very good if it weren't for that scene where the kid drives home, you know, after his head, uh, his sister's head's cut off. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that's fair, though. I don't know that that's completely true. It just wouldn't be what it is. That a lot of the tone that the movie rides on throughout comes from that scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. It, but it does feel like a bit of a letdown when the tone changes as much as it does and abrupt as abruptly as it does. Yeah. Cause I feel like kind of like the witch where I'm like, well, the ending just kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, by the way, this movie's over. You're yeah. like, Wait, what? And, and this feels a bit similar. There's this very slow development and it's a really good pace. It's a slow pace, but it's a really good pace throughout the movie. And then in the last, like you said, like 20 minutes, it's like, 
all of a sudden, what seemed like a B plot becomes the main plot. And, and Tony Collette's character sort of, I mean, she doesn't vanish, but her ending is so abrupt that it's, it, it, it sort of doesn't work for me. I don't mind that you find out that, okay, the reason this is all happening is actually about the sun. That's not inherently a bad thing, but it's so much of the movie's been about Tony Collette and gone at that pace, and the switch happens. It's not like a, a twist that brings everything together. It feels more like the movie's just taken a left turn. So so it, I feel like if that were more gradual, if there were a bit more to to start to kind of introduce the idea or at least somehow subtly take you in the direction of this isn't all about her maybe there's something else going on here i think i think they do a little bit but it just it just isn't enough for it not to feel like a bit of a cheat at the in at the very end i think one of the things that kind of bothers me about the end of the movie that that i don't like is that i came up with a better ending on my own like yeah like wh- while you're watching this movie you're trying to what you're trying to figure out is whether or not tony collette is losing her mind and like the stuff that she says in that one session with the grief the 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 grief support group is that her father had like some sort of mental disorder her brother had a mental disorder and her mom was messed up and the title of the movie is hereditary which means it's passed down and so you're like, oh, Tony Collette must be losing her mind. And like all this stuff is in her head. And then the supernatural stuff starts happening. And you're like, oh, maybe it's not all in her head. Like maybe she's not really losing her mind. The husband is trying to be supportive. And then eventually he just has had it with her where he's like, I can't do this anymore. And and you're like, yeah, I'm kind of on board with Gabriel Byrne here. And then she throws like the notebook into the fire and Gabriel Byrne lights on fire <laughs> which which was hysterical and uh, <laughs> and and even in that moment you're like is he actually on fire or is this all in her mind like is everything we're watching actually happen because there are sequences like there's that one sequence where she's talking to her son and like while she's talking to him they're both getting more covered in wet like they're just covered in this fluid and and you're like wait are they getting wet and then like she's talking and she lights this match which is an echo of a story that she tells where she like used to sleepwalk and she covered her and her son with uh flammable kerosene kerosene or flammable liquid or what paint thinner paint thinner and so like it's like an echo of that and you're like is this really happening and then she wakes up and you're like oh this was all a dream and you're like is anything that's happening this movie really happening and the very end of the movie is, uh, no, it was all ghosts. It was all ghosts and demons and devil worship. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a letdown. That's well, I mean, it's it's something that like the demon thing had inhabited her mother's body, and then the I guess it was possessing the daughter or trying to get into the daughter's body or something. Well, the and, grandmother was and like it's priming like, the the grandmother was priming the granddaughter, but she needed a man. Yeah, and then it was it. like, oh well, she, but but it turns out you need a male, so that's why this is actually all about the son. Yeah, and, and it, I don't know, that doesn't. I wouldn't mind if it was still like, no, this isn't all in her head, but for it to be really about him and not more like at the end, it's kind of like, well, we've had Tony Collette involved in everything so far. But this movie, actually, with the plot as it turns out to be, could have happened without her. Yeah. that That's kind of the problem I have. So I'm like, it could have been more about her, and eventually she just embraces it and gives in and takes the kid with her. Yeah. Or... But instead, or, she just or if gets it wanted to be about him or something. Yeah. Or, or, if, it, or if it was going to be about him to, to have done that. Yeah a little bit better to bring that in, in a way that feels a bit more organic and less like a, ha ha we red herring you the whole time. There's the, the sequence that really kind of drove me nuts was like the son wakes up after smashing his face into the desk, which I thought was really effective. He like wakes up and his nose is all broken and he like goes downstairs and finds his, his dad is all dead and he's like, Oh man. And then like his mom who's been like climbing on the walls, <laughs> 
is like chasing him. He decides the best place to hide is upstairs in the attic. And I'm like, oh, come on. Nobody, yeah. nobody would hide in the attic. And he's up there and he finds like the the naked men. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a movie. It, it sticks with you. It is, it is a psychological horror movie. And uh, I highly recommend checking it out. Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would recommend it too. So I guess that's going to do it for the show this week, Matt. Anything to plug or mention? Yeah, actually, um, I've been listening to a show called Case Files. Uh, lately, it's a podcast. You know, I don't know anybody involved in it or anything like that, but it's uh, I, I've been looking for, for a long time, a show along the lines of the old American Justice show on A&E. Uh-huh. And um, c- can never seem to find something that really really uh scratches that itch there's a show called criminal that's a podcast that's pretty good but the the episodes are pretty short they're like 20 minutes they don't go so deeply into things this one's like an hour to an hour and a half per episode i i I would say if there's anyone who just happens to be looking for the same sort of thing check out case files it's really good okay cool the commercials are super long so be ready to hit that uh 15 second fast forward button yeah those are the but, worst uh, i can't stand like the 90 second commercials on podcasts oh speaking no, these of which if you're like an advertiser three minutes long if you're an advertiser <laughs> and you want to advertise on our show we'll talk for 10 minutes i'm sorry it's called case file true crime case file true crime okay it's cool i've I, based on your recommendation i've been listening to the we hate movies podcast Mm-hmm. And uh, they're very entertaining. So uh, check out We Hate Movies. It's a, they're a lot of fun to listen to. But I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. See you then. <laughs>